Happy Monday, kitty cats. And if you are listening to this program today, then I know that you are a person who cares about their liberty. It's also a pretty good chance that you're pretty tired of waiting around for political change, tired of being duped by political parties and politicians filling you with hope and then never coming through. Well, guess what? If you're ready to take matters into your own hands, then I want to tell you about an amazing community called the Nomad Network. This is the number one community for liberty-minded people just like you who want to create freedom in their lifetime by focusing on entrepreneurship, investment, and income mobility. I have personally been involved with this group for some time now. I hopped on because I got into a stage in my life where I realized that I was ready to take things to the next level. I was sick of just talking about my liberty, and I wanted to take action to actually achieve that liberty. And the Nomad Network has been an incredible hub for doing just that. You got people in there posting their W's, uh, talking about their businesses, helping each other out, hiring each other for jobs. It truly is an amazing network. It is a little bit of that building the arc that we talk about so much, building that next pathway, building that community so that we can thrive while the rest of the world just burns around us or does whatever it's going to do. Whether you already have an existing business idea or you just want to network with like-minded people, the No Band Network is the place for you and you can join for free right now by heading over to www, and you do need the www, by the way, www.nomadnetwork.app slash lion, no S, lion. Take control of your own future. Seize your own liberty. Join the Nomad Network today. We need to empower people with not just the philosophical Flagship Lions of Liberty Podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. We need to be better people. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Bienvenidos, kitty cats. Welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. I had to mix in a little Espanol there because I am, in fact, out of Los Angeles. I am currently in Mexico. I'm not going to go into all of the details that led to this, um, well, I don't want to say predicament because it's certainly not a predicament. Uh, it feels amazing. <laughs> it feels amazing to be out of Los Angeles. Uh, I would like to say to be uh, to be away from everyone wearing masks everywhere, but I'm not going to lie to you. Masks are very prevalent where I am in Mexico City, uh, even though we don't have the same kind of restrictions or really any restrictions that come from the government level, although there are a lot of still restrictions inside of stores. I, don't, I say restrictions, but you can go in fine. You just you know have to wear the masks inside stores. Uh, you often get your temperature taken on the way in, stuff like that. So I'm not going to sit here pretending that I'm currently in some COVID-free, um, you know, fantasy world here, but uh, it definitely has a very different vibe than Los Angeles. And, and that's as someone who's been back and forth between these two places uh, overall, uh, I can say, you know, as, as far as the population goes, yes, it certainly exists here and everyone wears masks here, but it just feels different. You know, there's no there's no Karens here. There's no Karenas in, in Mexico. Uh, no one's going to scream at you and yell at you and make you feel like you're you know a terrible person if you're walking your dog outside without a mask on. So the you know while people wear their masks and feel they need to and it is very prevalent in this part of Mexico that is def- definitely not the same of other parts of Mexico that I have been in will likely be in down the road but for now uh, it's best for us here for our current situation to be settling in the city for at least a few months here since we have a really really big support network here basically so uh, that's where I am that's that's the present of Mark Claire I'm going to touch upon the future of Mark Claire um, towards the end of the show but first I want to you know I guess tell you a little bit more about the past of Mark Claire. Uh, Especially for those of you, you know, this show has grown quite a bit in the past couple of years. Um, and I've probably told variations of how Lions of Liberty was formed um, on this show, on other shows in some way, shape or form. But I think this interview that I'm going to run for you today, because, uh, you know, full honesty, the last few weeks have been completely insane, completely hectic. And uh, I'm again, even even while I just moved from Los Angeles to Mexico City, I'm actually tomorrow moving from Mexico City to Mexico City. We're moving from one part of the city to another. So, um, you know, luckily I was able to get 
get ahead for the last few weeks while I had a lot of hectic stuff going on trying to liquidate my place in Los Angeles, uh, where I still will be in and out uh, for those of you that uh, might not have heard this yet, but those of you that are friends of mine in Los Angeles that I are know I know in the Liberty community, um, you know I, I do intend to uh, see you guys now and then uh, whenever whenever fate makes it make sense. So, so I'll probably be in and out for some some amount of time, but we we shall see. We shall see where this all goes. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to be settling here and really hunkering down and focusing on a lot of things, including not just this podcast, not just podcasting overall, but really focusing on a lot of the skills that I've been acquiring. Uh, I'm going to continue to do, to acquire those skills and really set myself up for the future here. Um, and yeah, again, I'll touch on that a little more towards the end of the show. But first, I want to play you this interview that I did last month on a James Jenneman's podcast. Now, James Jenneman, uh, he has the Blackbird podcast, and he's a really good guy. And one thing I've really wanted to do with this program, uh, especially over the last year or two where I'm just not getting all the way deep on libertarian philosophy stuff anymore because, heck, I did it for five or six years. It doesn't really interest me to go into it anymore. You have the back catalog. I encourage you to check it out. Tons of great stuff in there, but I'm probably not going to do, you know, Walter Block with for three hours telling me how a libertarian society uh, would handle vaccines in a perfect free market or anything like that. No offense to Walter Block. I'd love to have him on the show again. I just chose him as, as the first person that popped into my mind as someone who is really great on dissecting dissecting libertarian theory. Um, but I do plan to do more, you know, more of well, more stories about myself, really more, more conversation about where my life is going and hopefully things that you can learn from that. Uh, and I also intend to highlight other voices out there that I feel are doing an amazing job. You know, there it's, it's crazy now how many quote unquote libertarian, I don't want to confine it to just the libertarian space, but how many honestly, quality podcasters are out there now. Uh, when I started this podcast, as, you, as you'll hear me talk about in a bit, you know, there, there were just not libertarian podcasts around. There were not a lot of interesting podcasts around, I would say, outside of maybe Joe Rogan, who was, who's had already been going for a few years at that time. Uh, but I, that certainly is not the case now. There is no shortage of amazing podcasters. I got to speak to Adam Patrick a couple of weeks ago. I really enjoy what he does with his show. You're talking over me. And I really also enjoy what James Gentleman has been doing with his podcast, Blackbird. So if you haven't heard of these podcasts yet, uh, I do encourage you to check them out and you get a free sample right here today. So without further ado, here is my interview with James Gentleman from the Blackbird podcast. Mark, welcome to the show. It's about time. <laughs> James, man. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Yeah. Okay, cool. So actually you were one of my inspirations. I, I like, I think I emailed you before I even started Urban Agorist, the like original iteration of this show. So, you know, thanks you, Tom Woods and Pete Quinones are like, are my uh, my holy trinity, I guess. Well, awesome. That's a that's a hell of a, a hell of a group to be to be yeah. you know, lumped in with. So uh, I'm, guess, I'm absolutely uh, flabbergasted by that. Thank you. Obviously, Tom Woods would be the father, which would make you maybe the son, even though you predate him in the in the podcast sphere. Huh? Thank you for mentioning that, so I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I, I started. I think it was like three <laughs> weeks before Tom. I put out the first uh, Lions Liberty, and I was like, "All right, this is it. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the guy that has the Libertarian podcast." And then I see an ad for the Tom Woods Show five days a week. I'm like, "Oh my god, okay." He's got a leg <laughs> up on me on this one, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I already got the logo made. Yeah. Like I already bought this equipment, so I'll just I'll just soldier on here. And he's done pretty well for himself at that old, old chap. So you were talking before we actually started recording that, um, did Lines of Liberty like start out as a blog? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ba yeah, basically it started, well, really, if we want to go before that, it started as an email chain uh, with a bunch of friends of mine who all went to Penn State. That's where the lion ended up coming from. Uh, Nittany Lion is the, the mascot there at Penn State. So, um, you know, it, it started because I, I started badgering my friends about Ron Paul in like 2007, 2008, I had been reading Ron Paul's writing since like 99 or 2000. Oh, wow. I'm really aging myself here. Uh, but that's when I got into his writing through a friend of mine, Howie Snowden, who's kind of a, a recurring uh, guest on, on our you know, group of podcasts. But he first got me into Ron Paul one day, like we were drinking late at night. And he he used to be a congressional page when he was in high school in Congress for a Democratic congressman. But all he would ever talk about about his like time working in Congress was how how cool it was when he got to listen to this guy Ron Paul give speeches oh, wow. and give speeches on the floor. He said he would go into his office sometimes. Just he would talk about liberty, and I was just like, "This is so strange." Like this <laughs> this guy I'm hanging out with is talking about this like seventy year old congressman that he thinks is pretty cool. So I'm like, "Well, whatever." This I, I like this guy. He seems fun, and maybe he's right. So I started reading his column at the time, which was Texas Straight Talk, and uh, it really stood out to me. The biggest thing that stood out to me was that he most of these columns were criticizing Republicans. And this is when prior to that, my only conception of politics, I mean, I grew up 
riding in the car with my dad, he would always listen to talk radio of some kind, usually like conservative talk radio, um, you know, Hannity, Limbaugh, all that stuff. And uh, that was my conception of politics was like the Republicans believed these things and Democrats believe these things and they just go after each other. But here was someone who was a Republican and almost everything he was doing, this is in the George Bush era. So that's the party that was in power was almost entirely critical of the Republicans, of the president, of uh, the things he was doing and how they went against the, you know, the principles of liberty. And that was the first time I really saw someone that was filtering politics through an actual deeply held belief, not just through this, this Republican Democrat system. And I, I had never even seen it, seen it looked at that way before. So that's what just stood out to me so much before I really even began to understand and adopt the philosophy more. Uh, just that fact that he was so critical of his own party made me say, all right, this guy is something different. At least he's at least doing something genuine to him, if nothing else. And I think that's what uh, opened me up to just the ideas overall. The fact that I knew that no matter what his beliefs were, I, I was pretty sure this guy believed them because it wouldn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. to lie and go against your party. If anything, you're going to lie and pretend that you agree with your party to ascend in politics and that sort of thing. So that, that's kind of where it really started. But then, um, yeah, because six or seven years later, when he ran for president, I was I was really primed for it because I had been reading his his work for all these years and really did the deep dive on libertarianism in between, you know, the Rothbards, the the Hayek's, the whole deal. Uh, so when I saw that he was running for president, I was just like shaken out of my stupor. I was like, what? This is happening? Like, okay, like he's not going to run for president. He's not going to win or anything, but I'm interested. I'll check this out. And then when, uh, I don't know if it was the first debate, it was one of the first couple when he had that Rudy Giuliani moment and I like jumped out of my chair and I, I could not stop sharing that video with people and, and many other Ron Paul videos. And I could not stop talking about Ron Paul. And through that, many of my friends who I would drink with and hang out with at the bar, um, some of two of those friends were friends of mine from college. And, uh, they're the two of the friends that got the most interested in it. Those are the friends of mine that would go on to become, uh, my fellow lines. Liberty, Brian McWilliams, John Odermatt. And um, through that, we started just kind of talking about this stuff on an email chain. And then we would occasionally just like add new people like, oh, here's this friend of mine. Here's this friend of mine. And before I knew it, there was like 20 or 30 of us just talking about first. It was more just about the politics of the day, about the specific presidential campaign. But when those wound down, it turned into just deeper discussions about philosophy and politics, uh, how an anarcho-capitalist society would work, all these all this stuff that libertarians love to talk about. <laughs> um, that's the kind of stuff we were just talking about. And then one day, I think it was John actually that said, or I think I said we should put these on a blog and then John and, John, and then I said, like, well, well, what would we call it? And Odie just said, well, Lions of Liberty, of course, since we're all from Penn State people. So um, that's the short version of how it started. Yeah. And then it was a couple of years later that I decided that I was going to make a podcast that, that sprang from that. Out of curiosity back then and being in Pennsylvania, I mean, right next door to Ohio, were you guys as big on Dennis Kucinich? Or like, did, I, did your I congressional page friends even know who he was? I, I don't think I've talked to Howie too much about Dennis Kucinich. I think he was a fan, though. I mean, I I remember liking him a lot. Yeah. I think they, I think he ran um, the same year that Ron Paul first ran. I'm pretty sure he ran in 04. I, I just okay. remember because I, I was I was a left wing kid back then, and uh, I loved okay. him. Yeah, I do remember liking Jen, Dennis Kucinich, and for similar reasons, uh, you know, that he he seemed consistent, was also willing to criticize his own party, and was like you know very much anti war. So I, I do remember liking him, not to the sense that I got not in the level I got excited about Ron Paul because he didn't share that base philosophy that I got me so excited, but yeah. I do remember like thinking he was a good guy at least. And, and I know that he talked about how his wife saw UFOs and I thought that was, cool. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. He was very like woo woo and stuff. Anyway, he, he was always one of my favorites. So you mentioned the conversations that libertarians love to have, which kind of brings up, I guess the Holy spirit of that Trinity Pete Quinones and uh, the sort of post libertarian praxian thing that's going on. Are, are those debates the minarchist anarchist and you know who'd build the roads and stuff are are those still relevant do people even still have those conversations were they ever relevant <laughs> that's that's a really good question I don't know if they were ever relevant. I know that we really enjoyed having them and uh, libertarians felt the need to have them. And, you know, I, I've always been one that I really feel that like asking the question why is the most important thing. And I think that whenever, whether we're talking about a philosophy or a course of action, we should always be asking that question why, not just of other people, but of ourselves. And if we don't have a good answer to the why, we need to either find the answer or seriously question why we don't have that answer. And so that's that's like a, a thought process that has guided me along the way in, in everything I've done in life. And it's something my dad actually did an interview with my dad on Lions Liberty many, many years oh, ago, really? like, like the first year I was podcasting. And he told me the story that when I was a kid, that's like something. 
something I would do. I would just always ask why. When, like if they wanted me to do something, I wouldn't just want to do it. I'd be like, well, why? And why? And then if I didn't like that answer, I would say why again. I'm like, no, I don't buy that. Why really? And I would just push and push and push until either I just got to the, the end of the wall or I finally got an answer that I, I felt was the truthful answer. So I guess that's always been something inside me. And I think, you know, it. I think it's relevant in the sense that... Or, I think it was relevant in the sense that, you know, when you're trying to figure out a personal philosophy of some kind, then yeah, you should, you should be able to answer the questions. Like it makes sense that you should want to know why a minarchist, minarchist would say, I believe in this philosophy. I believe that, you know, the free market should handle everything except for these two or three things. You should be able to say why that is. And some minarchists can say that. And I, now I, I'm in the camp that would say that if you follow that to its logical end, you're, you're going to hit a wall there and you're not going to really be able to get to the end of that conversation. But yeah, I mean, as far as me personally, like it's not really a conversation I'm interested in having anymore. I mean, these are the, these are the type of things I really got into for the first, I don't know, four, five, six years of Lions Liberty. I mean, this was, I started it as a show to dive into the philosophy because that's, there weren't anybody, there wasn't anybody out there doing that at the time, as crazy as that sounds. But now, yeah, I mean, I think I'm in the camp of people that I, I can at least agree that I agree with the statement that if if you have not re-examined not just your philosophy, but the actions you take in life, not just in the political sphere, but everything after the last, you know, 18, 20 months or so, then you're probably doing something. You're probably on the wrong course of some kind, because if this didn't open your eyes to something then I don't know what to tell you. And I don't have all the answers. I mean, I, I, I libertarianism is my, is my base philosophy, but it is only that it is only a philosophy. It doesn't necessarily, it might tell you what to advocate for. It might tell you what's, what fits within that, that actual ethic, but it doesn't tell you how to interact with the rest of the world who does not hold those beliefs. And for the most part, ha- don't act on, on that belief system. So how do we navigate ourselves within that? And I, I think, I think many of us might have had this uh, this idea before 2019 or before 2020, where if we just get enough people to read these books, if we just get <laughs> introduce enough people to these ideas, my gosh, how can they not get it? But I've met enough people in person that have in, 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 been introduced to the ideas, and they, I maybe they don't get them, maybe that's what it is, or maybe they just don't want that. And I, I so I, to me, it's it's more about like how do I, especially now I'm married, I have a stepson, and I'm thinking a lot more about how, what actions can I take in life to best protect myself and my family and set us up so we're safe and secure, and you know, so we can achieve the most liberty in our lives, and. It doesn't mean I don't want other people to do the same thing. It's actually, that is actually is exactly what, what I won't think other people should be doing too. And I, over the last year or two, I haven't made any kind of like official rebranding announcement with Lions Liberty, but I think I have slowly, um, with maybe the exception of the last month, which has just been a, a fun month of libertarian debates. But I think in many ways, <laughs> I have tried to shift the focus of my flagship show to address more of these questions and to look more at things from different angles and to address the the concept of, okay, so what do we do? Like, what can you do? And there are many things people can do. Um, and I, I don't know if there's one right answer that, that fits every situation. Um, but if you're not, if you're looking at the world around you and, and not realizing shit, I got to do something, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Cause I, I don't think any of us are in a good position. I mean, no matter how much wealth, power and influence we might have or, or what, I mean, <laughs> some shit is going down and it's not about to stop. And I don't think we're going to philosophize our, our friends and family out of this. Yeah. And, and that wealth, power and influence thing, that's the, that's Jason Stapleton's podcast and his sort of driving force, I guess. I, I actually just joined his, his mentorship program. So I'm really looking forward to kind of digging into that and seeing where it takes me. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Jason. I, I like him a lot. Um, yeah, I, I, we actually connected way back in, I want to say like 2015, 2016, maybe even before somewhere around there, he actually reached out to me to, uh, we did an interview on Lions Liberty. And I think, I think he did a couple ads on Lions Liberty and when he was first starting yes. out and then later on he got bigger than us and we bought ads on his show. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, cause you know, and then we bought ads on part of the problem and there was like a little bit of like 2014, 2016 area where there was like Dave and Jason that were both kind of blowing up at the same time. Uh, we were rising as well not on the same level as either of those champions. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it was a real time when, a lot of people were learning about these ideas. I think really the 2016 election, a lot of people were so turned off by both Trump and Hillary that a lot of people were looking for alternatives because that that was really a big growth period for us. It's when we went from 
you know, just looking at this as only a hobby to looking at it as, okay, maybe this is something that could be like a hobby that pays for itself or that gives us a little something that we can put, you know, justify a little more, putting a little more time into anyway. And that's kind of where we still are now, but, it, you know, we, we are in a you know, much better position as far as that goes than we were like four or five years ago. I don't even remember the question I was answering. I don't think I was answering a question. I was just going. No, uh, I think I mentioned Jason Stapleton. So yeah, yeah, there you actually, go. <laughs> yeah, and you guys just did a you guys just did a libertarians' living room drinking liquor with him too, right? Yeah, Brian did one uh, with him and Michael Bolden because they both. Well, Jason's actually right. in the process of moving out, but yeah, they both did live uh, in downtown LA. Cool. So, how did you become like the official libertarian debate moderator, not named Gene Epstein? <laughs> that is a that was a great question. It. it it happened to me. I didn't like seek, seek it out. It just kind of happened. I think it, my, it first started, I was doing debates, um, like back in like 2016 or so I started to get people within the libertarian party who reached out to me, like people that were running for office, uh, either in, in the party or like, you know, inter-party elections or, you know, just running for office in general. And eventually leading up to like the 2016 convention, I think it was 2016, 2018. I don't know. I got all these years confused, but somewhere around that time, I got enough. I got to know a lot of those people that were running for office and running for various positions. And then mm-hmm. after I interviewed a few of them, and then it was like time for for debates to happen on the stuff. I I just kind of decided like, all right, maybe I should host debates with some of these people that I've met and like, and let them kind of duke it out on on my show. So that's when I first started dabbling in the debates. But then it was it was really last year that the debate thing really took off because that's that was when there was a little bit of an online well it's, it's kind of always ongoing but there's there some uh some people there are some people i don't know if you know this james there are some people in the libertarian party that do not like dave smith at all oh, really? and are not <laughs> fans of him and we're very are very vocal in saying that uh one of those people is named andy craig and i will give credit to andy craig because he is part of the reason this thing started uh, he actually approached me because our mutual friend, Chris Spangle of We Are Libertarians, I think is an awesome guy. Uh, he said, you know what? You should have, if you want to hash this thing out with Dave, you should go on Lions Liberty. You should reach out to Mark Claire. He's fair, what have you. And uh, so Andy reached out to me and said, hey, Chris says you'd be a, a good person to host this debate and I'm willing to do a debate with Dave. I, I think the, Dave, I don't remember if Andy reached out first. They, they might've both reached out to me around the same time, but they both agree that I should be the one to host the debate. I did. That episode blew up. I think it's it's not our number one. I think it's like maybe the number two or three most downloaded Lions Liberty of all time. It's, it's pretty up there, though. So that one blew up. So then I said, oh, I guess people like when I do these debates, especially with when it's a debate with uh, someone hating on Dave. Yeah. So we did another one uh, with uh, Archie. You may know. Uh, that one did really even better. <laughs> that one like blew up too. And it was like, oh, this is really interesting. And then I realized I kind of liked doing that. You know, I kind of just enjoyed um, maybe it's laziness too. I, I just like the fact that I can kind of set two people against each other and kind of, you know, put my arms up and just watch the thing unfold. Try to rein it in a little bit. Although I'll be honest that that Andy Craig debate, I didn't really rein in at all. I kind of just let it happen. <laughs> I kind of just let the cars, you know, pile up against each other. But yeah, that, that's kind of where it started. And then since then, I've just, I've, I've just, I'm always kind of thinking of debates. And whenever I see there, there's been memes out there, like, um, you know, I don't know, there's that, that meme of the, the guy, like when the, the big black guy in the yellow suit, like peering around the tree, uh, you know, like, like, you know, puckering his lips. So the, that there's memes like, oh, Mark Claire seeing libertarians, you know, <laughs> seeing libertarians argue on Twitter. Like, like whenever I see people arguing, I just, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe this could be a debate. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's something I like doing. And then, uh, so much so that I decided to dedicate all of August to debates. So I've so far hosted four debates. I've got one more left uh, to, that'll be airing uh, next week on Lions Liberty. So it's just, it's something I enjoy doing and people seem to want to come to me to do it. So who am I to argue with the market? That's pretty fantastic. I'm guilty of joining your Patreon and then unjoining it okay, for each of those Dave one. Smith debates. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, I keep I keep like giving him money and then ungiving him money. So I finally ended up just subscribing to Patreon for a full year, and I'm gonna get awesome. all of your debates as soon as they as soon as they drop. No promises on next year, although hopefully if this Jason Stapleton thing works out, I'll just fund your entire show, huh? That, this is a great plan. I love it. <laughs> so I heard you on Thad Russell's podcast uh, a while back. It was a few months ago. I was on Thad Russell's podcast. I think so. Or was he on yours? He was probably on mine. I've never okay. been on well, this show. I heard you and Thad Russell talking. <laughs> Unless I, I just totally blacked it out. But yeah. I, <laughs> uh, awesome. I, heard, I heard you talking to Thad Russell on someone's podcast. And you were talking about how you were starting to even question the, the title libertarian. Is mm-hmm. that still, is that still kind of, are you still in a, like a state of flux there? Yeah, I think I was talking about it more in like a marketing sense. Mm-hmm. 
And his point, which I think is a good one, is that, and this is kind of his point with labels in general, is that, you know, when when you have that label out there, you're signaling to certain people like what you are. And some of those people are people I, I want them to think that. I want them to see liberty and think, oh, this is the place I want to go to hear about this stuff. But a lot of people see that same label and it doesn't mean to them what it means to me. So like they're, a lot of people are going to see liberty or libertarian and because of the way things are, you know, they go, oh, liberty, Republican, Trump, racist. Okay. And like, and like suddenly you're a Nazi and you're like, what yeah. happened? The arts, that's something we've we've talked about internally in Lions Liberty. We're, we're discussing like ways we can slightly rebrand. Like we don't want to change who we are necessarily, but I think just the way we present it and then, yeah, we're, we're currently having like discussions about, about how we can do that. And it's, it's kind of a tough spot because Lions Liberty does have so much brand equity in like the Liberty world because um, we've been around so long. I mean, in most anytime there's like, you know, questions out there about what are the libertarian podcasts? I mean, you always see Lions Liberty in the mix there. I mean, people know who we are. Um, so you don't just want to throw that away, but I do feel in some ways, like we've, I feel like we've reached almost everyone we can reach maybe with the current kind of where we are. You know, I, I think at least we're reaching out to the the same niche over and over and over. And that's great. We get a lot of great feedback. We have a lot of Patreon supporters, but like, are we really reaching other people? Are we, are we like expanding our reach? Are we bringing in people that, that wouldn't have necessarily, you know, jumped into this when they just see the words Liberty or Libertarian podcast. Um, that's just one thought process. Cause my other thought process is, Oh, well, cause you're not going to reach everybody and you're not, especially with a podcast. It's, it's it really is about niching down. And really, am I ever going to reach the person who's going to hear Liberty and jump to Nazi in like three mm. sk- skips? <laughs> probably not. You know, I'm probably not going to be the one to turn them around. So it's a thought process. It's something I think about. And I think, I think that is, has really good points. And I totally get why he doesn't adopt that libertarian label. Even if we checked all of our, the, uh, you know, all of our political beliefs they they probably line up almost exactly the same, if yeah. not very close. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's something I think about, but I mean, I cringe when I hear the word liberal in reference to like, Democrats and socialists like that, like I still feel like that's my word, even though it wasn't used for for what we believe uh, in really ever in my lifetime. But to me, just hearing the word liberal associated with that stuff just drives me bonkers because I'm like, no, liberal means free. And none of that stuff means that. So, I mean, if you think about the labels all day can can just drive you crazy and, you know, you know, run you through circles in your head. So, you know. It's it's an ongoing thought process, an ongoing conversation. But at the end of the day, I just I just want to produce the best content that I can produce. I want to I want to I want people to listen to this podcast, and I want them to think what I think when I listen to other podcasts that I that really inspire me. I like like there's podcasts I listen to that just move me sometimes. You know, like I want I want to move people. So at the end of the day, I don't care if it's the Lions of Liberty label that gets them there or not. And I'm not sure what the best answer is. It's something we're always examining, but I just want people to get there. And I want, I want people to be inspired. And I, it's awesome hearing like people like you, who I think are doing an amazing job with the show. I, I've, I haven't listened to the full catalog, but I've listened to a number of your interviews and I think, think you do an amazing job. And to hear you say that I, I inspired you in some way, like that is ultimately like as cheesy as it sounds, why I do, why I do this stuff. Like I, I, I do it. I don't do it for the Patreon money. That's for sure. Most of that doesn't <laughs> get back to us. Uh, that go, all goes to operating costs marketing and all that, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I do it cause I, I want to inspire people in some way, shape or form. Now, some people might get inspired and start a podcast and that's awesome. Other people might get inspired to look into, you know, becoming an expat and how they can get more freedom that way that I've done a few shows on. Uh, other people might get inspired to, you know, start their own business and, you know, make themselves more free. And these are all the areas that I really want to explore because they're the areas that I'm exploring in my own life. And I'm not an expert on any of that stuff, really. I, I just like to talk to people who are and talk to people who have done that stuff uh, because I, I, in many ways, am going through the same things that everyone else out there is going through. Like, I'm trying to find more freedom in my life, too. And at some point, I had to ask myself, like, how much can I just sit here talking about the philosophy of liberty if that's all I'm doing? You know, if I'm just talking about the philosophy of liberty, but then I'm going to my normal job, not doing anything different, not not preparing myself in any way for any, to have any more freedom in my own life. Well, then I'm I'm kind of a hypocrite in that in that point. Maybe not a hypocrite, but I'm not I'm not fully living out the things that I'm preaching. You know, I can I can believe in a philosophy, believe in the non-aggression principle, but if I'm just sitting here believing in it and talking about it, and it's not influencing the way I act in my life, then you know, then I'm not doing my job. So to hear that other people actually can you know listen to my podcast and then take some sort of action in their lives that's amazing and that that is ultimately 
you know, why I do it. Well, that that's one reason I do it, guys. That's one reason that podcast. But another reason that podcast is for the perks. And one of the perks is that we get amazing sponsors. And sometimes those sponsors send me free stuff. And that is the case when it comes to our friends, Carlos and Vanessa Abelar of Paloma Verde CBD. Yes, that is Verde, not Verde, Brian McWilliams. Uh, but these guys are awesome. They sent me a ton of free stuff. You might have heard Brian complaining about not getting any any of that free stuff because he just didn't take the time to come grab from my house. But nonetheless, I had some amazing gummies, uh, some of these sad Owls, man, you know, like I'm getting up there, guys. I, I've got a fruit fruit creeks cricks and cracks, however you want to say it. And uh, these salves, man, I am no joke. These CBD salves have done wonders when I just rub them there into those those tough spots on my neck. Um, truly incredible stuff. Uh, the only the only negative is the gummies are so delicious. Sometimes it's hard not to just sit there and eat them all at once. I wouldn't recommend doing that. They're probably a little too pricey to, to be eating them all in one sitting. But I do recommend a couple at night helping you relax. Maybe even sometimes take a one before a podcast just to chill out a little bit. Uh, again, CBD comes from the cannabis of this plant, but it does not get you high, but it does have amazing restorative qualities for joints uh helps helps me particularly with insomnia which i battled through the years and uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of carlos and vanessa ablar great people libertarians fans of the show these are the kind of people you want to help and support so i urge you to head over if you are a fan of cbd or been thinking about trying it please do head over to paloma verde cbd.com use discount code roar to get 25% off. You did not hear that incorrectly. 25% off your order, any order over $75, and you get free shipping with that. What better deal could you ask for? You get some amazing CBD products. You get to help some amazing people. You get to help your favorite podcast or this podcast, whatever, either way. And you get a huge discount and free shipping. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Paloma Verde, CBD.com. Don't forget discount code ROAR for that massive discount. Speaking of like content creation and the, and the things that you do, you've also got this great comic book podcast. It's ah, sort of, yes. it's sort of your, your other project. Talk a little bit about that. How did it start? And uh, like, what, what do you do there? Yeah. So the origin story of this, how deep would I want to go back on this one too? Like I, I was huge into comics when I was a kid. Um, probably when I was like 11, 12, 13 years old, I, I started getting into comics, was huge into Spider-Man, X-Men, Batman, all that stuff. And then got super excited by the launch of image comics. I just became a diehard comic fan. Like I would, any job I got, like I, I used to mow lawns. I used to wash people's dogs. Eventually I, I worked at Carvel for a summer it didn't matter what I did. If I got a dollar, that dollar was going to comic books. And maybe that's why I didn't have a girlfriend in high school, but but I <laughs> like all my money went to comic books. It's the only thing I cared about spending money on, except for wow. sometimes rest, uh, renting like uh, movies or, you know, wrestling videos or something like that. But, but most of it was comic books. Like I have a huge comic book collection that's still at my parents' house in Connecticut. But sometime in my early twenties, kind of like it started to fade away a little bit in college because I got into, you know, drinking and partying and all those things. Uh, but really a little bit after college, when I got into like real life and moved to Los Angeles is when I started fading away from a lot of that quote unquote kid stuff. Uh, like I, I stopped watching. I didn't really watch professional wrestling too much anymore. I didn't really read. I kind of faded away from reading comic books or even thinking about them at all. But then about 10 years after that, I'm not even sure how it started, but somehow I got like way back into all that stuff all at once. Like I spent 10 years, uh, I kind of call it my dark period, my nerdy dark period where I didn't like, I, maybe it's coincided with the fact that I, that was, those are the times that I was like insane on the Liberty stuff. Like I <laughs> so much yeah. into reading like all the Rothbard books, Mises, like he, uh, human action was probably took up a year of that, you know, like I read so much and I think it was almost like a, a reaction counter reaction thing. Like, like I went from just kind of, you know, Comics, wrestling, all that stuff where I don't need to think too hard about it. Although that's not necessarily true about comics sometimes. But um, and then got deep into all this philosophy and deep reading. And then I think at some point my brain was like, you got to do something else. I can't just read about libertarian philosophy all the fucking time, please. Uh, so then I, I started to kind of rekindle that passion uh, for uh, particularly for comic books in like 2013, 2014. And I just I started to go back and read a bunch of stuff that I used to be into. Uh, I kind of you know found some of the newer comics that were out there time like uh the walking dead invincible both of mm -hmm. which have become kind of pop culture uh hits as well and uh, i really rekindled that passion for the for the medium i think it's just an, just an amazing unique medium and uh so yeah I, I probably have been back into that for six or seven years and then when the pandemic hit in 2020 I was in Mexico with my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, just kind of uh, riding the pandemic out for a few months. And, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to focus on like, like my skills, 
uh, starting new projects and that sort of thing. But I also really wanted to read more comic books since I had all this time. And I was thinking, well, how can I justify reading all these comic books while I really should be putting time into productive things? And then I said, ha ha, what if I make reading comic books one of those productive things? Everybody wins. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of was brewing this idea in my head. And I thought of the perfect person for to do this show with uh, someone that was also actually inspired into libertarian ideas and podcasting um, through Lions of Liberty was uh, a friend of mine, Renzo, Renzo Martinez. He actually reached out to me and like, I think we connected in like 2015, not long after I started Lions of Liberty. And he'd said he's been a huge fan of the show since the beginning. And we started hanging it off. I eventually like had him on my show. He had his own podcast. He had me on his show a few times. And we became pretty good uh, internet friends, I guess you could say. Um, and so he was the first, but I knew he was a big, big into comic books too. So he was the first person I thought of for a couple of reasons. A, like I knew we were, not that I didn't want to do a show about politics, but it's nice to know you kind of share a sort of worldview with someone going into things. So, um, and then, um, you know, the fact that he, He's much younger than me, <laughs> but I think he's like maybe 14, 15 years younger than me. But that, that's that's why I thought of him for this show, because I wanted to do something where we each looked at comics that inspired us and stories and characters and that sort of thing that inspired us uh, in our youth. And so to do that, I wanted to have someone that had a different youth period than me. So he started mm-hmm. getting into comics in like the mid 2000s. I was the early 90s. So we have really different things that you know inspired us at the time, uh, different things that influenced us. There's a lot of stuff that I read growing up that he he never got a hold of. A lot of stuff that came out because uh, actually when he was getting into comics was in that dark period that I mentioned too. So like a lot of the stuff that that he brings up to read, I don't even know about. So it, it it's a way for me to get to like read stuff that I didn't read about, also to revisit stuff that I used to love, while hopefully introducing other people to that stuff and uh you know because i i just it's a medium i'm so passionate about and i I think it's a medium almost anybody can really love if they get give it a chance i think a lot of people just have like a stereotype in their mind of all comics are just you know cheesy guys in tights doing cheesy stuff and that is a large part of comics but it's it's not all of comics i mean comics is simply a medium uh maybe you want to call them graphic novels that makes it better for people but it's it's simply a medium and you can do anything with that medium and there are so many people that have done just many many different different kinds of things with that, with that medium that I think there is, there's really something for everybody within that. And I hope to inspire people to, to get into it more. That, that's really like the whole goal of the show. The goal of the show is, is twofold. Essentially it's, it's selfish for me because it gives me an excuse to read more comics <laughs> while, you know, creating a new project, a new outlet for myself that isn't just political uh, while also hoping that like, I want more people to get into the stuff. I really like when I have people that I can talk about this stuff with, and we've really developed like a good little community with that show. And, and the amazing thing about it is that because myself and Ramza both had followings uh, from our other podcasting lives, we actually had Patreon supporters before we even had an episode of the show. Oh, wow. I was like, why don't we just toss up a Patreon up there? And before we even do it, he's like, before we even who? I'm like, yeah, yeah, just who knows? That way we just hit the ground <laughs> running. We already have it. We can talk about it in the first episode. And uh, before the first episode, one of our, our um, you know, his name's Anthony Meyer. He, we call him Prime Meyer because he's our, our very first patron. Um, he became a $25 a month patron before we had a lick of content. And that was just so refreshing because before we even started, I knew, all right, well, our podcast hosting is covered. Like, you know, like we've already got a few expenses covered before we've even done anything. And that was just so awesome. And I don't think we've lost a patron. Maybe we've lost like maybe one patron out of, you know, almost, you know, 30 or so that we've gotten over the last year or so. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of podcasts don't even start a Patreon in the first year. They're just trying to grow and build their base. So the fact that we had, the ability to do that because we had other, you know, if we, if we just launched from scratch and no one heard of us, we probably wouldn't have been able to do that. But you know, that just to know that people, when people really like you, and like what you're doing, that's ultimately like what podcasting is. It's like, the, it's pretty much the most personal medium that there is out there because especially, I mean, if you do a podcast, even like once a week for say an hour and someone listens to that show for a year, they just spent 50 hours with you for a year. I don't spend 50 hours with any human being except <laughs> for my wife. I mean, there's no one else I spend that much time with in the course of a year, unless you count people I, I podcast with maybe. Um, so, I mean, that, that it's a really personal medium. And if, if people dedicate that much time to listening to you, they like you. <laughs> I mean, they're going to like you or else they're, you're not going to be able to spend that much time with you. And and when someone likes you and they want to see you succeed, they're going to support your projects. And that's something that I was just like, so not stunned by, I, I in some ways expected it, but it was just really nice to see that, that people wanted to support us based on 
my past quality of work based on their feelings about me and we're willing to support something that they haven't even heard one second of audio from. And I, I hope we do our best to, uh, you know, to, to live up, live up to that. Cause I, I really enjoy doing the show and, uh, we've, we've gotten great feedback on it. You know, it's still really small. It's still real. We're really definitely in that very, very early growth stage, but, uh, it's, it's one of the, it's the, one of the best projects I've ever been involved with. Cause we, all the time we get messages from people that, that are like, you know, thank you for doing this show. Like I, I've had messages from people that say like, I've, I've lost my job. Um, I've been like depressed lately. And this is the one thing that I can turn on every week that pulls me out of everything else going on in my life that actually makes me feel better. Like the fact that the fact that I could be helping someone's mental health. I mean, that's just like amazing. You know, there's people that spend thousands of dollars on therapy and drugs and don't feel any better. But people tell me they feel better just by listening to us. I mean, that's I, that's just like you can't put a price on that. That's so cool. I've never read a comic book in my life, but uh, the 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 victim's journey episode that you reposted on lines of Liberty. Mm. No, that really? was actually just a lines of Liberty episode. Oh, was it? Okay. I thought that yeah, was a repost we, from it. We, we occasionally it comes up in some way, shape or form, but we generally do. We want to stay away from like political stuff on that show. Oh, okay. Um, so even yeah, like I mean, cultural political stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like t- sometimes it works. We want it to work its way in naturally. Like we don't try to make it political and we don't try to, like really put our politics out there. But when something comes up, we give our honest opinions on it. So that it's kind of like, you know, it's in there. You know, if if you if you listen to it, you would hear the libertarian stuff. But people that aren't, I don't think would be turned away by it either. You know, it's not so overt. But it's there. It's, cer- it's certainly there. But but yeah, I mean, that that, that could have been because I don't think that episode was particularly political either. It's really just talking about this concept that it's not about, you know, what political philosophy you hold. It's just something that's happening in the culture. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. But yeah. Talk a little bit about it just because I brought it up and um, I, you know, I don't want the audience to be in the in the complete dark. So the victim's journey is basically sort of a morphing of the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the hero's journey. If anyone's ever read uh, Joseph Campbell, hero, hero with a thousand faces. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's where he basically lays out this hero's journey, this story that we see all throughout pop culture and ba- basically almost every any story, especially the big blockbusters. If you really break them down, they basically follow this pattern: the hero's journey. Um, you know, he he goes off. I'm not I'm not going to say it exactly right, but basically, uh, a hero uh, uh, you know faces some kind of problem, has to leave his place, leave his place of comfort, leave his zone, faces some challenges, uh, has some kind of death or transformation. And returns and, you know, brings happiness and prosperity to people at the end, basically. Um, the, the victim's journey is this kind of thing that has crept its way into the culture that has begun in many ways replacing the hero's journey. So you can look at, I, I think one of the big ones for that we, we talked about in that episode was uh, like Ray in, in Star Wars. And then the new Star Wars films. Now, she doesn't really have a hero's journey. Like she starts off, you just meet her and she's got it. Like she's yeah. just a master from step one and kicks ass and has no struggle really to speak of. She's just is great. And almost all of her successes are not necessarily due to something she had to overcome. Uh, it's usually almost always due to the failings of some stupid man. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like a common thing you see with victim journey, not not necessarily just the the woman, the female male thing, but it's often where this person is either just naturally, you know, naturally great. And we're, we're supposed to be happy that they're so great because they fall under some sort of victim class of some kind, whether it's because they're a female or a certain race or whatever it may be. And then we're supposed to cheer for them because of that, yeah. not because of actual heroic acts, not because of an actual struggle or what have you or an actual transformation they've gone through. I mean, I, I don't I think if you look at that character specifically of, of Ray and Star Wars, like she really never had a struggle. She was just like really good at the force and kicked ass. And then that's her whole story. Like they're there. And, and we're supposed to be happy. I think it seems that we're supposed to root for her, not because of the actual struggles the character goes through, but because she's a woman going through those, going through this. And that's, and that's a very common thing, theme in these sort of victims journeys. And when you, when you start to, to see them, and you start to see a lot of the newer films uh, and that sort of thing that you can really see that you're not seeing a hero's journey as much in pop culture. You're seeing a victim's journey. And it's just an interesting observation. I'm not sure where it comes from or what it means. I'm sure it says something about society at large and and what we value in people. Um, but it's definitely a trend that, that we've been noticing. And then just to kind of add insult to injury, as soon as she finds Luke Skywalker, who actually did have the hero's journey, 
he's like this buffoonish hermit who, yeah. you know, yep. is just awful to be around. I mean, he was always kind of a bitch, but, you know, I mean. Yeah, that, that's always <laughs> a big part of it. It's always like, you know, they're just risen up or naturally great. And then all the men are just buffoons, just failing miserably all around them. I do. I do think it is kind of like this subtle attack on like masculine. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase these things. Like when I say masculinity, I don't really mean yeah. being a tough guy or being. I mean like the idea of historically, like of the man, and it I doesn't have to be a man. Like I don't. I don't fall into these gender roles really. But historically, like when when they attack the patriarchy they're not attacking the concept of a man being a misogynist and beating his wife. They're attacking the concept of a man providing for his family and mm-hmm. protecting his family and sort of serving as that, that guardian of the family. And to me, that, that seems to be what's under attack here. What do you make, speaking of which, and this was completely not planned, but what do you make of the trend among a lot of kind of right-leaning libertarians to kind of take on that trad? I mean, obviously it's a reaction against this trend that we're talking about. But I think sometimes it kind of goes a little bit too far to where, you know, I mean, you can only accuse someone of being a beta cuck so many times before it just becomes a joke. What do you think? Is that something that libertarians should be not fighting, I guess, but like just not embracing? Can you be more specific? Do you mean like specifically like, um, I'm trying to think of, well, so right now there's a lot of, uh, almost violent rhetoric. I mean, like Josh Smith, who I love, like his entire, his entire theme song of his podcast is all about throwing pedophiles and wood chippers, which has nothing to do with his podcast. But like, you know, I mean, there's that, there's like a very like traditionalist religious kind of movement going on um, with, you know, some of the other guys that are just sort of in our spaces. Mm -hmm. And obviously I think it's a great thing if people are, rediscovering spirituality and things like that, especially right now in an age where the religion of the day is this hyper authoritarian sort of political religion. But I think it gets taken a little bit too far. And, you know, and it might, maybe it just hits closer to home for me as, as a gay person who's Mm -hmm. kind of become an adult in the gay community. Like I have lots of trans friends and things like that. So to hear Dave Smith, for instance, whenever he brings up transgender people, he doesn't just talk about transgender people. He talks about dudes who want to chop their dicks off, which is like mm-hmm. a very, a very like graphic thing. And I mean, most transgender people don't go through that surgery. Like right. it's just, it's just, they're so focused on the accidents rather than the essence, I guess, to use, you know, Aristotelian phraseology. Yeah, this is an, it's an interesting topic because I've spoken about this before because it's something that I've, like I have always growing up, I've always, I kind of would say I would, I grew up on like the, I don't know the it with a, you might say an anti-trad or anti-traditionalist viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think, um, especially when I was younger, I'm even pre-libertarian philosophy. I always just thought in my mind, and this is, this was in large part, like an early rejection of religion too. Like, I think I kind of had this like attitude, like traditional stuff is dumb. Like, I just thought like, oh, we have all these traditions. Okay. Cause a bunch of people used to do a bunch of stuff and now they still do it. And that's the only reason they do it. And it doesn't have any meaning. And you know, I used to think all that stuff was dumb. And I always thought like, I never really thought twice about if someone was gay or transgender. Like I always thought like, oh, I just, I'm, I don't care what people do. And I, and I don't like, I'm totally fine with people do in the bedroom or who they hang out with, who they, you know, who they, you know, have worked with or what have you. Uh, none of that matters to me at all. And that, that's still the case at the end of the day. But I think like something has happened over these last few years that I have, and I'm not even talking about like the traditional, like I'm not a Christian or anything. I don't even really hold any religion. I, I was raised Jewish, but I rejected that early on. But I have found myself sort of becoming more spiritual over the, over the last couple of years through a number of of life events and and things I've experienced. And we can go in any of those directions if, if you like. But I, I think that... In many ways, I don't. I don't want to sound like woke, but I feel like my mind has been opened to things more in the last couple of years, and I do feel like a, a connection with the immaterial world, if you, if you could say. And I think that going through that and understanding culture and civilization more, I no longer reject the traditional stuff as as much, like like just reflexively anyway. Because I a lot of things, a lot of things I, I really thought to myself, like, okay, if something has been a tradition and a culture for like thousands of years and that culture is still doing pretty well, okay, maybe it's not as stupid as I thought, even if I don't fully understand it. You know, maybe, maybe there are actually things 
that people that can hold cultures together due to shared traditions, due to shared practices and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm directly answering the question about like, if, if that can go too far when you're, when you're getting into like, you know, the wood chipper stuff or, or what have you. Um, but I think like, I don't know. I, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's given me, this is the kind of thing that I've, I've, that's kind of, you know, kind of got me in circle sometimes because I, yeah. I sort of hold both views in a weird way. Uh, like I, I, when I see certain things being pushed, like I, ha- like I want to emphasize again, like I have friends of every kind of like walk of life imaginable and I don't care what people do and I don't care how people dress or how they want to identify. But I, I think that there is something that I see when, when it's really pushed hard by forces I otherwise see as malevolent, that it does make me think like, why is this being pushed so hard? Mm-hmm. Why, like why is transgender, what have you like drag Queens reading st- story time to like five-year-olds? Why is that pushed so hard? Why are, why is it, why are people being shamed if they even like don't like that or don't want their kids around that? And, and it, it really comes back to like maybe what we were discussing before, like the attack on, you know, the, the, the role of the man or the role of the patriarchy in, in the sense I was describing it. Like a lot of these traditions do really hold civilizations together, do really keep families together. And now I think when I see that stuff overtly attacked, it makes me think about that a little more. It makes me think, is there, is there something insidious? Why is this being attacked so hard? So I think from, from to address like the, the kind of reaction to that, I think when people feel super attacked about things, there can be an overreaction the other way. So I think that's maybe where a lot of like the beta cuck, et cetera, it's kind of language might come from where, you know, people feel that their values are being attacked so hard that they got to attack back. And I don't really know what I think about it. It's like something I, I work through too, because and I'm not going to lie. Sometimes like I, I laugh at a transgender joke. Like I, I think stuff is, I think stuff yeah. is funny. I, I laugh at Jewish jokes. I laugh at the uh, blonde jokes. I laugh at jokes if, if they're funny and I don't really care who they target. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. I don't know because I, I, in my personal view, like I, I accept everybody for who they are. And I have friends, like I said, of like every kind of persuasion or what have you. And I never think twice that their lifestyle or the things they do or the things that they, they want to express harms me or harms my family or harms cultural values in any way, shape or form. But when I see certain things like push at the top level, um, it makes me think, is there something insidious going on? Like, why is there such an attack on these traditional values to the point that they're is actually like a trad movement that has to counter that. And yeah. I don't know if I have a direct answer, but those are my general thoughts, I guess you could say, but I can, I I'm think, willing to go in any direction there too. I think that's a good point. And I think my aversion to it. So I have two aversions to it. I, I've always kind of been against like punishment per se. I, I, I don't, I just don't like the idea of it. Like even coming from a religious standpoint, I feel like we can't have perfect judgment of a person's motives or actions. And so we shouldn't even try is basically my point of view there. But then also I do like, I I push back against the sort of authoritarian wokeness. Like for instance, I have a new, I have a new coworker. She's transgender. And when she started, everybody started putting their pronouns in their, in their email signatures and stuff. And and I was like, Oh my God, come on. She doesn't even do that. Right. And so it's like a signaling thing. It's like, Oh, well now we got, Oh, we have one. Oh, we gotta, we gotta start doing the thing now. Yeah. So like the office, Karen, DM me. She was like, Hey James, I just want to let yeah, you know, just so that we can make this new coworker feel comfortable. Um, we've started to put our pronouns in our, in our zoom names and our, in our email signatures and things. So, you know, no pressure or anything, but you know, if you wanted to do that, it would, I think it'd be really cool. I think it would make her feel a lot more comfortable. And like, she and I are, are like really good friends because we're like kind of the token LGBTQ or whatever people on the, on the team. We, we don't talk about politics or culture. So I have no idea where she lands on that stuff. But like, we're also the only ones who haven't added our pronouns to our stuff because like, <laughs> we don't feel funny. the need to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone um, else feels, thinks that they have to do it for you. Yeah. But it's like, to me, that's just absurd. I mean, if so, I don't care if someone wants to say I'm he, she, or Zer or whatever you, you want to say, yeah. but to think that everyone has to do that to conform to them when more likely than not that actual, like, I don't know, like anybody I know of, of, uh, that's, you know, that's transgender or what have you, they're never the ones that care about that. That's just from my yeah. personal experience. It always seems like it's everybody else that wants to signal to them something. But I mean, it's absurd. Like you don't, I doubt you would want to, when you started working there, that you would be happy if everyone just started putting, uh, like Joe Smith, 
heterosexual uh, like on their thing. And then you're supposed to put James like homo, like homosexual. Like, like that's, we don't need to start adding all these things into every aspect of our lives. We can just have them. We can talk about them if we want when they come up, but we don't need to like put this as like, this is part of my identity that has to go into every other part of my identity. If people want to do it, great. But more often than not, it's not the people that, that are actually like the victims or I don't know what, what they're supposed to be. It's, it's, it's these other people that have taken upon this sort of, um, what do you call it? I don't know. This, this white knighting kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then on the other hand, when I see people in the libertarian movement going like full on the other way with wood chippers mm-hmm. and, and chop your dick off references and all that stuff, I'm like, I, I bristle at that as well. Yeah, so maybe I can, that's just I what can it definitely is. see I'm, how that would be super cringe. Like, yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'm just a natural contrarian. Talk about your spirituality. You said that you've uh, kind of developed in that over the last some time, however long it's been. All right, guys, I did kind of trick you a little bit right there. That is what we're going to call a teaser. That is a teaser because I did get into, at this point in the interview, uh, some stuff that was a little more personal, a lot more personal than I've ever really gotten on this or any podcast. And I do want to encourage you to listen to it, but I want you to go over and check out James Gentleman's podcast. I want you to go check out Blackbird. That's where you're going to get the last 15 or 20 minutes or so of that interview. Uh, I also don't want to go too far over an hour on this show and had some more stuff I want to talk about. So a couple of reasons before but really, I just want to promote James and I want to promote Blackbird and, and I really enjoy what he's doing. And I think that you should go click on, at least give it a click, at least click around. And at the very least, go check out the rest of this interview by checking out episode 56. That is episode 56 of the Blackbird podcast. In the rest of the interview, I get into, like I said, a lot of more personal stuff, a lot of my sort of, I don't know, spiritual development, you might say. I do talk a little bit about my marriage and the circumstances surrounding that. That, of course, ties right into why I'm here in Mexico. So uh, I have a little bit more of an update I want to give you, a little more things I want to discuss on this episode before I sign off. But first, I want to tell you about our amazing friends at Lorenzati, Italy. Lorenzati, Italy is the number one place for you to stop and order some fine premium Italian coffees delivered right to your door in these neat little tins. And if that wasn't enough, you get to do so knowing you are helping a sponsor of this program. And if that weren't enough, you get to order using your Lions of Liberty discount code. That discount code is ROAR, and it gets you 10% off your order. So head on over to Lorenzati.coffee and use discount code ROAR for 10% off some frying premium Italian coffees. Mm-mm-mm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. All right, now that we've taken care of that last bit of business, like I said, we talked a little bit about the present here in Mexico, a little bit about the past with that interview with James Gentleman. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the future of Mark Claire, what exactly my plans are, what exactly I'm doing. And there are reasons that I, I can't get into all of the details, again, like surrounding the current circumstance, I guess, so to speak. Those reasons may become clear someday. They might just be remain private reasons. Uh, they are what they are. Um, but um, no matter what, I am very grateful to be here in this place right now, I am grateful to have been able to get out of Los Angeles, which California in general, I mean, especially right before I, I was getting ready to leave, or I might not have even been exactly sure if I was leaving just yet at the time, uh, is when Gavin Newsom uh, was, well, not reelected, but the attempts to uh, remove him from office were thwarted quite easily. And um, not really too much to my surprise. I'm sure there were some voting shenanigans as well. Uh, anybody that's seen the ballots that they sent out, I mean, you could literally, if you put it in the mail-in ballot, you could see the answer that you marked on the and the little opening in the envelope that was just very conveniently placed. So I have no doubt that there were probably some shenanigans, but to be honest, I don't think you need a shenanigans. Uh, most of the people in California, I don't want to say most, I know a lot of good people in California, a lot of good people in Los Angeles, uh, but the vast majority or enough of the majority of the population of that state is is fully on board with, ah, heck, I'm just going to call it the Church of Woke. I'm going to call it what it is. Um, they're, they're fully on board, not with just the politics. The politics has always been there, but the religious aspect of this thing, the religious aspect of of the COVID stuff, of what that means. It ties right into all of this woke shit that's been going on for years. It's basically an extension of the same thing. Uh, Gavin Newsom couldn't have been a better example of that. Couldn't have been a better example of how it doesn't matter uh, if you're actually following logic or reason or any of these things that maybe five or six, seven years ago I actually thought mattered. I'm not saying they don't matter in our lives. They don't matter in how we navigate the world. Uh, They certainly do. They're valuable tools for us. They're they're, They're not what persuades. They're not what changes the minds of people when it comes to 
their political beliefs, their religious beliefs, especially religious beliefs. And at this point, it's hard to even distinguish the two. It's hard to distinguish between religious and political beliefs, especially when it comes to uh, this crowd. I guess I'm going to call them out in California. But immediately after that, it was announced that that vaccine passports will be coming, uh, that you will need them to go indoors to restaurants, um, to large outdoor gatherings even. And I'm seeing this everywhere I go. And I, I'm, while I, I think that places like New York and California are the first places that this is going to happen, um, it's it's not going to stop there. And I, I, I don't want to be too pessimistic. I do want to encourage people to gather and move to places like I am right now that they see a better prospect. Um, and th- many of those places may be places in the United States. Um, this place I am right now is is probably temporary. Uh, we are planning to potentially come back to the United States. Uh, definitely not to California, though. At least not full time. I may be in and out of California. A lot of things just depend on how my situation unfolds. Um, but the way I see things unfolding, uh, if we were to come back to the United States, we'll, we'll likely be looking at a place like Florida, if not Florida itself, a place that does have a prospect for some sort of resistance to this thing, because it's everywhere. Like I said earlier, I mean, masks are everywhere in Mexico City, uh, at least in this part of the country, even to get a lot of normal jobs like at uh, at bars, at restaurants, at gyms. Uh, I know the tra- trainer at the gym said he had to be vaccinated. Uh, so this is everywhere. You know, you can run to certain places. Uh, there may be certain islands out, out there. There are literal islands where there's less of it, um, but you can't truly physically run. Uh, I, I really just think that the way we're going to have to get around these things, if you're someone that wants to get around these things, or if you're fine to just accept it into your life and take that for what it is and just know I'm going to I'm going to live less and less of a free life. You know, a lot of people would say I'm living less free because, you know, because I'm not going along with the whole thing. So I'm making my life more difficult in the short term. That's absolutely true. My life is currently more difficult right now uh, than it could be if I made some other decisions. That's absolutely true. Um, but I'm I'm thinking big and I'm thinking the long term here. And I think anybody that does something to temporarily get themselves through this thing, if they're complying with certain mandates or just holding out hope in, in a certain situation that they don't have to leave uh, where they are. Uh, I, I just think you're pushing off the inevitable. And the more you push off the inevitable, well, the more your comfort level can kind of keep you there longer. And that, that I'm, I'm talking to myself, too, because that happened to me for a long time in, in California. I mean, the writing was on the wall there a year ago, a year and a half ago. And it took me this long to even get a foot out the door because of a lot of reasons, a lot of legitimate reasons, a lot of good reasons that I had uh, to remain in the situation that I was in there now. But now those now that situation has changed. Uh, I'm glad that I've, I've gotten out, especially at this at this juncture in time. Uh, but what am I going to be doing with myself? Well, I have a lot of professional stuff I'm working on getting done as well. Uh, but I really do plan to put myself into this podcast. And that doesn't mean I'm going to give you six podcasts a week or even more podcasts. But I'm really going to be putting myself more into how I approach things. Um, I'll be honest. A lot of times I just, I need to show at the last minute and I, and I reach out to somebody and I don't put a lot of thought into it. And I want to try to put a little more thought into what I do with this show. And not that I've been thoughtless. I think we have amazing conversations here. I hope you do too, or you probably wouldn't still be listening at this point on episode 533 uh, and over an hour into it. So I have to assume anyone listening right now, unless you nodded off and then you just woke up at this part and you're like, what's this guy rambling about? Uh, then you probably agree that we have pretty good conversations here. Um, and that is my goal here on the flagship. That's always been my goal to have great conversations and to have conversations that, that add meaning to people's lives. Uh, that's really something I want to focus on. Whether that meaning is spiritual related, um, whether that meaning is, you know, just giving you more purpose in life. And I speak somewhat, I don't want to say as not an authority, but I'm not coming at this as an authority because I'm I'm on a journey myself here as well. I'm very much on a journey. And in some ways, this podcast will be a part of documenting that journey. Um, but, you know, I'm really also going to be using this time to focus on so many things that I have neglected in my life, um, neglected because I was working so much in Los Angeles. I was so busy with so many things that kept me away from a lot of the things I was passionate about. And now I don't have as much of that distraction. Um, so maybe they were excuses. Maybe Maybe they were a little bit of re- just the, the fact that there are only a certain number of hours in the day, probably a little bit of a combination of both, both if I was going to be honest about it. Uh, but I really do plan to be refocusing myself in many ways on many skills that I was maybe partway working on, halfway working on. I've had I've been halfway in so many things because I've been pulled in so many directions. And the amazing thing about being here is I can really focus. I'm really in a good situation where I can focus on uh, my mental health, my physical health, uh, both of which are stellar, by the way, but they can be better. They can always be better. And I'm now in a position where I don't need to slap an alarm clock away at 5am and crawl out of bed and go 
go work a crazy day and try to wrap my head around how I'm going to plan this podcast and my other podcast, which of course you heard about in um, the interview with James, the second print comics podcast. I want to encourage you to check that out because um, we're really trying to branch out and get there in the culture. We And I say we, I mean all of us here at Lions of Liberty. Of course, Brian, Odie, and Rico also have the Boring podcast. I, I forgot to mention Howie. He's the H, the H in Boring, B-O-H-R-I-N-G. That's a really fun comedy podcast. If you enjoy libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor like John did for his big 300th episode, by the way, congratulations to John Odermatt for three consecutive podcast episodes between Finding Freedom and, uh, well, and before that, Felony Friday. Uh, just stellar, stellar work. John has truly never missed an episode, and I have not technically missed an episode, but I will say there was one week where I had an issue, and John was actually the one who saved me, and he posted an old episode uh, with Tom Woods and, and added a little intro for me. So technically, I've never missed a week where I had a podcast posted, but I did miss a week once where I didn't actually, you know, you didn't hear my voice. Uh, you didn't hear me live. You heard something that, that already ran, you know, three or four years prior. That's the only time for me. So John really has, he really is the Cal Ripken here at Lions Liberty. Of course, Brian has missed an episode because I filled in for him a couple weeks ago uh, doing Electric Liberty Land. Had a blast doing that uh, with Rico and our friend Dan Smots over from the System Is Down podcast. Another one you should really be checking out there while I'm while I'm promoting other shows here, uh, which may be to my detriment, but I don't really care. Uh, if, if you find other shows that I tell you about more compelling than this one, then go listen to those shows. You know, I, I'm here to do to do me, to be me, to put out the best version of content that I can give you. And I really hope you continue to come back as many, many, many of you have over the years. And of course, if you want to help us do this full time, great couple great ways you can do that. Of course, you can just go over to lionsliberty.com. You will find a donate area there. There's tons of ways you can um, you can contribute there for one-time donations uh, through PayPal. You can also go to paypal.me slash lionsofliberty. I do believe that's correct. Uh, and there are also many, many uh, various crypto wallets you can send us a little a little jump change, a little crypto change to if you like. And of course, if you want to support us monthly, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty or we now have a locals as well, lionsofliberty.locals.com com. I know a lot of you don't like Patreon, so Brian and his good buddy Dave Rubin, they they work something out. You know, they don't have to work anything out. You just go sign up. But Brian has become, you know, somewhat somewhat buddies with Dave Rubin lately. He's been on a few of his shows, hung out with him a couple times. I think they're basically together at this point, to be honest, but he just can't talk about it in public. Either way, uh, Dave Rubin did put together an awesome site on Locals. I'm really, uh, as the more I get in there, the more I'm really enjoying it. It's very much a uh, kind of a, a social media combined with a sort of a Patreon thing. And by the way, you can come join our Locals and come hang out and come, you know, participate in conversation you can do that for free uh there are premium memberships and you do have to buy a premium membership to access our bonus content you know i I do live streams a lot of the shows i do most of the interviews and debates i do i do those live for our patrons and our supporters on locals but you can come and participate and just join the community and check it out you can do that for free so head over to lionsofliberty.locals.com to check that out i only have one more thing i want to mention to you before i sign off here you know part of my i don't know my kind of plan my spiritual journey i'm on here a little bit is uh to really get back into writing more. I do have a Substack. I started last year. A number of you follow my writing over there. I say writing. I don't think I had a post in the last three months, but one of the things I'm going to be doing while I am here is doing a lot more writing, um, hopefully a lot more focused writing. I hope I'm not biting off more. I can chew saying this right now, making promises I don't keep, but I do plan to keep them because I'm I'm very much... Ah, I'm, I'm on a journey. What can I say? I'm on a transformative journey. Uh, so I'm sort of rebranding my Substack. Um, it is now called Metanoia. And uh, that is a word that I never even heard before, believe it or not. My wife heard of it. My wife from Mexico had heard the word before, but I hadn't heard it. So, uh, But it's a word that really stuck out to me. I was looking for synonyms for sort of transformation and journey, and that word, just it just stuck out. So if you want to go over to my Substack, it's still markclair.substack.com. It is now called Metanoia. I will be posting there much more frequently. And if you want to know what that word means, you can go check out my last post there. Make it simple for you. And that's all I got, kids, next week. Uh, next week or so, I'm going to be settling in in Mexico, or actually, like I said, we're moving from one of place to another place in Mexico this week. So hoping to have the internet and the podcast uh, situation set up uh, at least at least enough to record some kind of audio for you uh, by next Monday. Um, but we'll have something. I just don't know what that something is. We shall see. Maybe it'll just be more of me ranting, telling you about my life situation. I might do an Ask Me Anything. Uh, I did post for our patrons over on Patreon and Locals um, if anyone wants questions for me, the uh, Ask Me Anything Mexico edition. Um, so that's a possibility. But really, who knows? You're not going to know until you click that button and hear us roar, but it's not just me. Don't forget, 
You got something else in between here and there. You got Brian McWilliams on Wednesday with his weekly shot of comedy, culture, liberty, and everything in, in, in between and all sorts of cursing and mispronunciations and and maybe COVIDs, maybe not. Who knows what's going on over there? But you can find that on Wednesdays. And of course, John Odermatt, you're going to hear episode 301 of Finding Freedom this coming Thursday. That's all we got. Until next week, my friends. Live long and live free.